Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, Nick explores the messages we send through what we say, and sometimes through what we don't. In addition, I take my son to work, and we got some brand new digs. My name is Brett Guida. And my name is... Uh, let's start the show. I want to just sort of say something here. It's, it's part rant, part script, part whatever. But I need you to travel back in time with me. Go all the way back to the days when you were a teenager. Yes, bad haircuts and acne and all of that. And for many of us, and if you were like me, that's a time when you were actively trying to understand who you were, how you fit into the world. And if you could figure that out, then you'd have to figure out how you could portray yourself in the world. What clothes did you wear? How did you style your hair? Who did you hang out with? And perhaps just as important as anything else is the question, what music do I listen to? I mean, think about how important that relationship was to you between you, teenage you, and your favorite artist or band. Um, Depending on your age, you probably had several vinyl albums or tapes or CDs or MP3s or streaming cloud magic. Uh, You had the t-shirt, you had the poster, and of course you talked about your favorite songs and music videos with your friends, and you blasted that music over your stereo, and you sang along, and you knew every word. And that relationship, again, between the teenager and the artist is a really, really big deal. I, I really don't think we can overstate that. Now, for me personally, well, of course, I mean, I went into music, but I had a lot of favorite bands and artists, but my favorite favorite was definitely the Beatles. And whether it was playing along to the Beatles on my drum set in the basement, or was singing harmony with my brothers in the car, or was learning my first song of guitar, I spent a lot of time listening and thinking and analyzing the music of the Beatles. And by the way, in case you're wondering, that first song on guitar was Rocky Raccoon, because they looked through the songbook and it had four chords and they were easy. So, just a tip for you. It's the television event of a lifetime. The Beatles Anthology, November 19th, only on A Beatles C. Well, you can just imagine how excited young Nick was. I was in middle school when ABC aired three straight nights of the Beatles Anthology, which was a documentary miniseries that told the story of the Beatles through their own eyes. I was so excited. Uh, We recorded it on VHS, of course, and we had everything, all six hours. And I remember walking down the hallway with some other kid approached me, and I was like, it's going to be a good day. There's a new Beatles song tonight. I was so excited. In the closing minutes of the sixth hour of the Beatles anthology, Paul McCartney is talking about his experience as a Beatle and their legacy as a band. 
And I think he says something that's very, very interesting and really important. Well, I'm really glad that most of the songs dealt with love, peace, understanding. You know, it really did. If you look back, there's hardly anyone says, go on, kids, tell them all to sod off, leave your parents. It's all very, all you need is love. Oh, John's give peace a chance. The very good spirit behind it all. Love me do. P.S. I love you. Can't buy me love. And I love her. All my loving. Even one of the new songs, Real Love. Paul is right. When given the chance to say something to the world, the Beatles chose to talk about love. And when I say, you know, saying something to the world, that couldn't be any more accurate. Because back in 1967, the Beatles participated in Our World, which was the world's first live international satellite program. And with over 400 million people watching, the Beatles decided that the one thing that they wanted to say to the world was... That's so awesome. I really do. And Paul's comments about the Beatles and love really resonated with me back then. And I think that idea has shaped how I view art and artists ever since. In the opening lines of her 1998 song, Hands, Singer-songwriter Jewel says, If I could tell the world just one thing, it would be that we're all okay. Some would argue that it's a little bit on the nose, maybe they're right, but I actually really like it. Why risk being misinterpreted? And that idea that creating something is your chance to say something to the world has really stuck with me over the years. If I'm watching a TV show or a movie or a music video and I find myself moved by something, it's it's usually not because I'm super caught up in the emotion of the scene uh, of what the characters are experiencing on the screen. And this may sound weird, but when I see something that says something honest or unique or beautiful, I think, wow, all of those people got together, the writer, the director, editors, musicians, actors, key grips, makeup artists, prop master, all those people got together and they could have said anything. But they decided to say this. To say something that makes all of us feel less alone or less weird or more loved. And that's what will get me to lose it usually. It's the fact that somewhere on the other end of that movie or TV show or song painting is a person who simply wanted to help make me feel less alone. If you filter reality shows or certain YouTube channels, cough, 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 door slam. <laughs> If you filter them through the sort of what is being said filter, it's pretty clear that what's being said today isn't great. In general, it's some version of there's fame and money to be gained if you're willing to be just completely shameless. And as we've seen, that sort of message has actual real world consequences and implications. 
I went to an Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. Okay, so what I'm about to say might sound made up, but I can absolutely promise you that it's true. So just bear with me for a second. To some on the alt-right of the political spectrum, popular music icon Taylor Swift is known as a, quote, Aryan goddess. I'm guessing it's because she's white and she doesn't seem to espouse any particularly non-Aryan views, so they just make it work for them. This goes back to at least 2013, and since then, people on the web have used Taylor Swift's likeness and persona to espouse racist, sexist, and homophobic ideas. And I just want to be clear, I don't think, personally, I don't think and have no reason to believe and do not believe that Taylor Swift is racist or sympathetic to Nazis or fascism or whatever. But while we know that words have powers, we also need to remember that the absence of words, that silence also has power. There is a complicity in silence. And even though Taylor Swift's lawyers have on a couple of occasions sought to have blogs take down some of the most offensive images that contain her likeness, they've attempted to do so basically in secret because they don't want the public to know that Taylor is taking any sort of stance on this. And look, I get it. Taylor Swift Inc., Taylor Swift HQ, or whatever, they don't want to get involved in any sort of political brouhaha at all. And that includes apparently denouncing alt-right Nazi sympathizers because it could ultimately, down the road, hurt her bottom line. And look, I'm strangely sympathetic to that idea. I mean, I co-host a, a podcast here, and we have probably what, like, point zero 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 one percent of the reach of Taylor Swift. And even with that small, you know, we love you guys, but you're smaller than the Swifties. Even with this size, there have been a couple times where I've thought, oh, am I going to alienate somebody by speaking out on this? So I am sympathetic to Taylor in that regard. But my problem with Taylor in this situation is, like, aren't Nazis bad? And isn't, like, denouncing Nazis practically the easiest thing you can do if you want to be good or at least appear good? And there's no need to qualify Nazis are bad. I mean, that's pretty clear. And it's just angering to me and lots of others that Taylor, with the power of her message, would allow her name to be used this way without just just one time publicly saying, for the record, Nazis are bad, so don't do this. (laughs) Her silence is dangerous. And while I'm not saying she was responsible for anything that bad people do, it just seems like a very risky and irresponsible game that she's playing for the sake of possibly a few dollars. And look, it just doesn't have to be this way. We only have to look back at the Beatles and their message of love to see the impact of our message, of the thing that we want to say. We can see the impact of that on the world. A couple of years ago, I had the chance to see the Paul McCartney in concert here in St. Louis. And while it always would have been super special to see him live, I mean, he's in his 70s, he's a Beatle, he's legitimately still rocking. What made this event truly special was that I got to see it with my two brothers and my mom. And on our way to the concert, my mom explained to us that she first heard her first Beatles song, Love Me Do, over the radio while in her high school chemistry room back in 1964. And it's just sort of crazy to me that we're still singing that song today. And as I sat there at the concert, I couldn't help but think about how strange the situation was. 
How is it that after 50 years, after 50 years have gone by, how is it that there are still 40,000 people in St. Louis who'd want to pack into a stadium to see a Beatle play songs that are 50 years old? My brother even flew in from New York just to come see Paul McCartney. Why are we still so excited to sing along with Blackbird and Eight Days a Week and Let It Be? I mean, as much as I may hope otherwise, I just find it extremely unlikely that 50 years from now, listeners of Where There's Smoke will be gathering in packed stadiums to hear Brett and I repeat some of our favorite episodes. As we got near the end of the concert, Paul sat down at his piano and began to sing and play one of the most beloved songs in all of music. As you heard, the crowd just erupts after those first two notes. They're iconic. And as the music goes on, thousands of people pull out their phones, they turn on the flashlights, and everybody sways together, and they just sing or scream or yell at the top of their lungs. They're singing words that have accompanied them for most, if not all, of their lives. And the song is fairly straightforward. The story goes that Paul originally wrote Hey Jude for Julian Lennon, John's son, as a way to comfort him as John was divorcing Julian's mom, Cynthia. I was driving out to John's house after John and Cynthia had got divorced. And I was just going out to say hello to Cynthia and Julian. And I started coming up with these words. In my own mind, it was, I was kind of talking to Julian. Hey, Jules, don't take it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. You know, be all right. So I kind of got the first sort of idea on the way out there with this Hey, Jules, as I thought it was going to be called. It seemed a little bit of a mouthful, so um, I changed it to Jude. But the song has a power and reach much larger than Paul had intended it, or at least could have known. I'd argue that the true power of the song comes from the very end. You know what I'm talking about. original recording, those na-na-na-na-na's go on for over four minutes. It's just a simple and powerful chant, essentially. You see, while the song tells us, yes, you're enough, hey Jude, you'll do, to me, it's the end of the song that really counts. The song is ultimately about our ability to make it through together and our promise to look out for each other. Well, the start of the song is just Paul singing to Julian, hey Jude, At the very end, it's all of us. It's Paul, it's John, it's George, Ringo, you, me, my brothers, my mom, that guy across the street, people I don't know, it's all of us. And there's no words to memorize, there's no tricky melody. If you can sing or yell, clap, stomp, shake, nod, if you can do almost anything, then you're a part of something bigger than yourself. The me becomes we, and the you becomes us. The thing that's unique about the Beatles, at least for me, is that every generation seems to just find them anew. And while I wasn't born in the 60s, I never thought of the Beatles as my parents' music. They were mine. 
And as they looked out at all of the people standing up and just shouting along at the top of their lungs, there were people of all ages and genders and colors, parents and children and strangers and neighbors. I realized that the Beatles and their message of love had somehow transcended their era. And I'd argue that a large part of that is because their message of love still resonates today. It's still something that we need to hear and be reminded of. But this, this almost spiritual experience with 40,000 other people in a stadium right now, and you know there's millions of people around the world, this is what can happen when you take the time to think very carefully about that one thing that you would tell the world. So what is it for you? Is it all you need is love? Or is it something more self-serving and ultimately less helpful? If that's what you're telling the world, the more self-serving version, just remember what the Beatles said to us when they had just one last thing to tell the world. They had one last thing they wanted to say. And on the last album, and basically the last song, they said, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And if you can say something like that, you get moments like this. So some of you might be aware that April 27th was Take Your Daughters and Sons to Work Day, which is really quite a mouthful. And at this point, I'm not really sure why it's not just called Take Your Kids to Work Day, but I digress. Uh, Anyway, I managed to get approval from WTS's HR department to bring my son Radic into the studio that day, aka my home office, aka really just a room in my house. And I actually put a few questions up on Where There's Smoke's social media pages in the week prior, just asking listeners what they'd want to know about self-development or what challenges they were facing or what they would ask their six-year-old self. And I took some of those responses and I had a conversation with my son, Radic. So here is an edited version of that conversation. Basically, I had some fun with my son, Rad, on Take Your Son to Work Day. I think it's a bit entertaining, and I think that maybe there might be some gems in here. Okay. All right. So I'm sitting here. Today is April 27th. It's Take Your Son to Work Day, or your daughter. I happen to have a son. I'm sitting here with my son, Radic. Radic, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Whoa, all right. Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions, OK? All OK. Right, so first off, um, tell everyone your full name and how old you are. 
My name is Radic Parker Guida, and I'm six years old. Right. Actually, six and a half. Six and a half. Excellent point. Okay. So, let's see. What makes you laugh the absolute biggest? Oh, that's easy. What? Jokes. Jokes? Any sort of specific kinds of jokes? Um, where did the pencils go on vacation? I don't know. Where did the pencils go on vacation? Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good joke. Do you know what, what daddy does for a living? Like what I would do for work? Mm-hmm. Um, use your iPad. <laughs> I use my iPad? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, you got to talk into the microphone, though. Okay. You you use your iPad sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that I have a podcast? Yes. Do you know what I talk about on the podcast? Things about about certain things. Do you know why people listen to the podcast? Do you know what they like? What they hope to get out of it? Cause they want to know a lot. That's kind of true. So mostly people, I think, listen to our podcast. A little bit because it's entertaining, hopefully. And then a lot because they want to be better people and get better at all the things that they do, which is sort of cool, right? You got to talk on the microphone. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some questions because some, pe- some of our listeners ask some questions, things that they're sort of like weren't struggling with. And I thought maybe you might have some advice do you think you might have some advice yeah because you're pretty good at giving advice right okay i know a lot of things okay okay someone said that they always put their glasses or their keys down like their car keys and their sunglasses and then two seconds later they can't find them and they wanted to know if you could help i could yeah i would say maybe it if you if you if you didn't make a big if you didn't make a little bit more of a mess you could find them. So if you clean up the mess you can you would find them. Ah, okay. I think you're a pretty good person. Do you think you're a good person? Yeah. Yeah. If somebody said they wanted to be a better person, what 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 kind of advice would you give them? What what do you think? What is um, it? Um I would to be say a- do try to do everything that you can. And don't ignore anyone and try to do your best work. So if somebody told you they wanted to be happier, what would be your advice? Um, I would say try your best to be a gooder person. That's pretty good advice. And what is one way that people can be a gooder person? I stop doing bad things. Okay. What would be an example of a bad thing? Imagine you, you're a bully. You could stop being a bully. That's good advice. Cool. And how can people help other people if they want to help other people? What could they do? They get, get help people get up when they're hurt. Oh, that's nice, buddy. Oh, that's nice. I like that. All right. So... Um, do you have any final words? Anything you want to say to the audience? It, I, I had a great podcast today. Bye. My name is Radic. <laughs> Give me a high five.
Yeah, well, give me a really good one. Oh, yeah, you rock. Okay, we're out of here. Bye! <laughs> that was loud. All right, so listeners. What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, we are, uh, I'm calling Nick because he is in a hotel room with terrible internet and uh, maybe not mm-hmm. so great mobile service by the sounds of it, but I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> and uh, this is the part of the show called WTS Digs, where Nick and I, and sometimes other people we bring in, where anyone who's here basically talks about things that they're digging, whether that's music, TV shows, food, uh, podcasts, who knows what. And uh, we share a little bit about what we're digging and why. So we haven't, we never know what each other's going to dig, Nick. And, and we very rarely plan these things very well. So I don't know who's going first. Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? I mean, I'll go first. You, right. you talked. So All I'm right, gonna... cool. Well, what are you digging, Nick? Well, I'm super digging. And I know at this point, by the time that listeners hear this, that a lot of them will have seen it and maybe even are over it at this point. But I'm not over it. Um, it is the new... Childish Gambino song and video This is America um, It is very rare for me to see something That has been created for mass consumption That I feel like just sort of um, it Just like hits On a lot of levels And yeah I'm a little hesitant that you know It is sort of trendy at this moment But if you haven't watched it um, I just think it's amazing I don't, I don't, It's just it's rare that something that is Commercially viable attempts to say so much and honestly it connects with the message that we talked about in this show like Dave Charles Gambino Donald Glover has the opportunity to say anything and and what he's saying is very important and very specific and it's something that America um, needs to reckon with so if you haven't seen it Charles Gambino this is America I wouldn't watch it with kids around um, but it is something that you should check out I cannot stress that enough Right on. Well, I, I, I am. Uh, I, I also think it's incredible in a lot of ways. I love it, and I also think there's nothing more to say because I really think it's, you know, it's a great piece of art that deserves to be listened to and watched. And uh, and not commented on so much. And rewatched. And rewatched. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so that's fantastic. And I love the way you linked it to the uh, the message of today's episode. That was very cool. That was just off the top of my head, off Genius. the top of my dome. Yeah, kids say. All right. uh, Brett, what are you what are you digging? This so week? I am digging a podcast, Nick, which. I say it's rare because even nope. though we before, we've a, been through this before, that is not allowed. Oh it, no, it's not allowed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. people. Are, well, here's the good news about the <laughs> podcast that I'm digging. It is a uh, what do they call it in TV? They call them a limited series, right? Which means that it's it's going to happen and it's going to be yeah, over. Okay. It's going to be gone. So, um, but I am very much digging. Uh, it's actually a podcast from the team that does the daily, which is the so that which is not a limited series and another podcast that I would highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, from the New York Times but uh, they have a new show out called Caliphate I don't know if you've heard this Nick or listened to it at all Uh, but it is a uh, a documentary audio series Uh, Rukmini Kalamachi I believe if I'm pronouncing her name right she's often on the daily and she is a foreign correspondent for the New York Times and basically what the podcast is doing is it's looking at um, it's really trying to help people understand really what 
ISIS is and the Islamic State is. And specifically, it's happening through an interview that she is doing um, with uh, someone who is actually a Canadian. We don't know where this person is. They're they're going by an alias, but she's interviewing him in Canada. Um, and he he joined ISIS and admitted to her that he killed people. Uh, and she's having this very candid conversation with him and then utilizing some of her other research and interviews to sort of talk about how people get uh, recruited in ISIS and what happens. And I'm only they're releasing an episode every week. So it's not like a, a podcast where they just you know, didn't put it all out or anything. So right now you're still sort of at the beginning where he's being recruited. Uh, but I, on top of being a very interesting, great show, I think the one thing I want to say is this. I think, you know, we've talked about this on our podcast a lot, Nick, about sort of criticism. We've talked about uh, complicity online. I think people love to scream about stuff online and talk about stuff online and position themselves online. And I don't know if we do enough understanding. And, you know, it, it's easy for people to go, oh, ISIS, bad, terrible, or whatever people feel about Muslims or whatever. But, like, you got to understand this stuff, I think, in order to... You know, if you want to fight it in order to fight it or in order to sort of comment on it. And, you know, I, I'll admit that I, I don't understand a lot about the Islamic State or about ISIS or about, you know. So for me, it's 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 not only a very interesting show and an interesting journey. It's also about educating myself on, you know, an issue that is massive right in our world right now. So that. I don't know, so that I can look at it with educated eyes as opposed to just sort of going, you know, oh, this is all, you know, this is evil, it's bad, we just got to stop it. It's like, well, okay, yes, it is, but what's really happening, if that makes sense? So Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I, people, it's so, if you were to quiz the general public on a variety of important topics domestic and internationally, I think we'd all see where the problem lies, is that we just don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think... That is probably a huge part of it. So, so I will definitely check that out. That it's incredibly well done. So Caliphate, C-A-L-I-P-H-A-T-E. Um, check it out. I'm digging it. I think it's, I think it's, it's important and it's great. Well, you know, if, if you've got other things that you're digging, of course, we'd love to get the tweets and the emails and the Facebook messages and the Instagram thing. I don't even know what they are. It's both city honest. Instagram is not my place. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, always make sure to find us explore WTS or connect at uh, connect at where the smoke.co and let us know what you're digging. You can say the end. I can. Oh, right on. Thanks. Wow, I felt I, I, I almost felt <laughs> well. I think that's fair. I mean, I was not prepared. I hadn't. I, I you know, I, I I just want to say if I ever thought it was easy, I, I now realize that the depth that you reach in that thanks is well and also remember you know you've been there sometimes it takes a couple ticks yeah 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 all right to get the right tone you want to check the mic check one two check one two yay okay i think it works Welcome to the credits, y'all. A shout out and thanks to at real Matt Andre for sending us a direct message on Instagram. I mentioned the Anchor app last week and Matt also discovered us there. Matt just started his own podcast and he shared that our episode on expression really hit home with him and has inspired him to bring an even better level of himself to his creativity. Matt's podcast is called Podcast Sans End. That's S-A-N-S. 
space E-N-D. And we recommend the episode Foolies or Basket Case as a starting point. Onward and upward, Matt. If you want to stay connected with us, you can do so through many of the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at ExploreWTS on all three. Also, go to our website, wheretherismoke.co, and sign up for our mailing list. There is going to be a lot of new and exciting things happening over the summer, including a chance for our listeners to play a pivotal role in Season 5 episodes. So we need to be able to communicate with you to give you all the details. Sign up for our mailing list, and you will be in the loop. Where There's Smoke comes together over a hard day's night through a helter-skelter long and winding road in the octopus's garden that goes here, there, and everywhere, twisting and shouting and getting better until we let it be by the two of us, Brett Gaida and Nick Jaworski, and with a little help from our friends to carry that weight, Kristen McMullen and Teresa Ward. If you have a podcast or want to make one and you want it to sound awesome, look up Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you're interested in having me do a keynote or speak at an event, just reach me by email, brett at where there's smoke. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with a season four remix by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. Speaking of music, Nick, what other artists were featured in this show? This week we have music from Blue Dot Sessions, John Luke Hefferman, The Insider. Most of it is The Beatles and Paul McCartney and our fifth Beatle, Kevin McLeod. All right, well, that is it for this episode. But before we go, we've got one more surprise. Surprise! Hello? Anybody? Oh, this is Paul McCartney. I came all this way to jump out of a cake, honest. Put the new suit on. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 